Welcome to More to Come, PW's podcast about the world of graphic novels and comics publishing. This is Heidi McDonald. I am the editor of the Publishers Weekly's graphic novel review section and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. Check us out on social media everywhere at PW Comics World. We are usually recording from the New York offices. Today I am in the New York office and I am talking to remotely Greg Depalian, who is the, the president of Left Field Media. Is that, did I get your title right, Greg? That, that is right. I uh, am the president. All right. Well, uh, Left Field Media is a new entrant, well, a recentish entrant, about a year old, on the uh, crowded convention uh, scene. Um, and I admit, when I heard that there was going to be a new convention company, I thought, oh, no, not more cons. But... But so far, the ones that you've done have been very unusual, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But, um, Greg, you and I first met working on the very first New York Comic Con, right? <laughs> Back in the yep, day. Yeah, ten, 10 years ago this year. Yeah, yep, 10 that, years ago. that's right. It's uh, shocking to believe. And uh, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of doubt about it then. A lot of people thought that cons were a crazy idea, uh, and now ten years later, it's like everybody wants to get on this business. What What do you think changed in ten years? Yeah, it, you know, it is funny looking back ten years ago. There was, you know, now it seems like it is so obvious that you know New York Comic Con would have been such a home run that you know, of course, you know, we should have done it, but there really wasn't, you know, you were amongst a a very small minority of people saying you should do this. This is a great idea. Um, and, and appreciate that, that support. Cause you know, it's hard when you've got nine out of 10 people telling you this won't work. Um, sometimes you believe them. Um, so, you know, I think it's a couple things. I, I would say the general, like, I'm going to say cons in general, so not specifically comic industry, I think with everything that's happened in technology and and how sort of impersonal the world has become, I think consumers in general are excited for experiences. Like they they want, they desire this idea of being wowed uh, and being amongst other people in a very human way. And I think Mm -hmm. that has coincided. So like the growth of technology has coincided with people's desires to be a part of a community. And I think cons have really benefited. Uh, and that's sort of, I'm going to say that's cons of sort of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Comic cons, I think it is much more about just the sheer popularity of the genre and obviously, the, you know, all of the success of the films and, and, the, and the related TV shows and video games have definitely made it far more mainstream. You know, you look back at, you recall the first New York Comic Con, it was very, it was a very bookish event. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was somewhat intentional and somewhat the state of the market at that time. Um, and, you know, its ability to evolve towards games and film and all of that obviously makes it appealing to such a wider audience. Right, right. Well, the first New York Comic Con was, uh, and you're absolutely right, Greg, there were so many naysayers <laughs> who were saying, you can't do it at the Javits, you can't do it in the winter, you can't do this, it's just not a good idea, no one can make it work in New York. You know, and, and you, know, you and I probably remember vividly, as do some other people, because no one in comics ever forgets. But uh, the first show was so successful that, you know, it, there was a lockdown. I mean, it, it made the paper for all the wrong reasons. It was crazy. Right, right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that was one where I think, you know, I can smile about it now. It was, pretty, it was, it was definitely, you know, a, a scary experience at the time. And I think that was one where we really did sort of, we, we, 
maybe we listened to too much, you know, of the negativity and said, oh, you know, we could be successful, but only at a certain level. And obviously the fan demand was so much higher than expected. Um, and, you know, I'll say, though, I, I, that was a tough experience, but probably one of the best professional experiences and something I've carried with me ever since. And from that day forward, I, you know, the one thing I'm most proud of is even though we screwed a whole bunch of stuff up to, to, to let it get as crowded, as overcrowded as it was, we really went out of our way to take care of those people, refund, right. invite them back, Absolutely. send them cool gifts. And not just because it was like, oh, that's the right PR move. Right. It was like the realization that if you want to be in this business, the con business, you better love these fans. Like you better yeah. treat that they are gold. Like this whole thing is for them. And when you screw it up, you better be out in front of it trying to fix it. You know, and that was as hard as that was to this day, 10 years later and dozens and dozens of show launches and acquisitions and all that later, that's something we carry to every event is what would make, you know, I look at any event we're starting to, you know, Playfair or any of the things we're doing now and say, what's going to blow their minds? What's going to happen thrilled with this event? Mm -hmm. And that should be the center of all of your thinking. Right, right. Well, it's just, an, it, it, you, you know, I, I really feel like that um, that New York Comic Con, the first New York Comic Con, was a little bit of a turning point. I mean, San Diego had been selling out also, but uh, all of the panicky, you know, ticket, Halloween, uh, I mean, just the, the, the crazy stuff had, kind of came after that. And, and it really became this kind of watershed event. And I mean, I agree. I think that the, the follow-up afterwards was, was so excellent on your part. And, of course, New York Comic Con has gone on to become an immense success. By the time you listen to this, we'll be on the floor at New York Comic Con, um, you know, battling today's crowds, uh, which are spread over a far larger uh, area. But Greg, walk us through a little bit. Like you, you know, we had that launch, and, and you were involved with New York Comic Con for a few other, other, uh, few more years. I, and I mean, I know Reed Pop, of course, is is just launching all over the world. They're springing up like mushrooms. I know they just announced like a Shanghai show, and you know they're everywhere. But I mean, what made you, you know, what where where did the decision come to start Left Field? I mean, what did you what did you see that wasn't being done that you needed you know you needed to step in there and fill the Fill the space. Sure. So yeah. So in in the subsequent years after New York Comic Con, I, you know, I was I was actually involved in the group and, and adding packs and all of that stuff over the next like eight or nine years. Uh, but with every year, my job became sort of increasingly more corporate and broad. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of other responsibilities and other portfolios. Like by the time I when I resigned from Reed, I had a portfolio of thirty eight events. Mm -hmm. So it got to a point where I felt like I loved it. it was, I was at Reed for 17 years. It, was, it is a great company, and I think very truly customer-centric, so I, no negativity at all. It was, for me, a couple things. It was a desire to be a little more focused on some things that I liked building. I liked being involved with markets. I loved the consumer space more than I loved the business-to-business -business space. So partly I just wanted to get back to some, like when I thought I was happiest in my job. Um, what made me think there was opportunity was I felt like there was this intense battle for everyone to go after similar concepts, mm -hmm. which I get. They're proven. Comic-Cons are awesome. They work. And there's a lot of opportunity to bring them to other regions. But I had a lot of thoughts and ideas of other places where fandom was sort of blossoming. And I loved the idea of being able to sort of explore those. And 
you know, one, you know, we have a, we've launched a show called StreamCon, which is um, really all about sort of digital influencers. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a YouTube Vine fan fest, very different space, not nearly as mature. And, you know, who knows, you know, we're very excited about the event, but we're kind of banking on the fact that we think this could be a next generation version of a con. Mm-hmm. The, 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 what we, you know, we announced a partnership with uh, the toy fair. So that was one where, I mean, we think this is one where it's like the, the family entertainment kid market, they're kind of ignored. Like they want to go to these shows. They love a lot of this entertainment, but the cons, the way they're constant, they're not really family events. Right. And, and that's not a knock. And you can't be, you know, you can't serve every possible market. But when we looked at how awesome and amazing, like, the toy game family entertainment market is, it was kind of amazing to say, how, how is there no one, it's like, it's a little piece at other shows, but no one's actually celebrating those things. Mm-hmm. And the chance to actually build something with the toy fair, which is, you know, a pretty iconic event, was one we left at. So I, to me, it was, I, I felt like there were lots of other markets where you know fans weren't necessarily being served yet, and we felt as a small, nimble player that we could probably you know we, we and, and with the know-how, I mean we have the you know a decade of experience doing large-scale events that that we could create some pretty cool new things. Well, let, let me talk about let's talk about Playfair a little bit, which you just alluded to. Now, Toy Fair is uh, it's been running well over a hundred years. Uh, it, like you say, it's very iconic. It's where all the toy companies get together in February to show what they're going to be releasing later in the year. Traditionally, it was attended by uh, retailers, by store owners, and some media. Um, but even on the badge, I mean, I, the first time I went to Toy Fair, I was working for Disney Adventures, a kids' magazine, and uh, yep. obviously writing about it for children. And then on the back of the badge, it says no one under 16 is to be allowed unsupervised, you know, including child playtesters, <laughs> which which was yeah. very, like they really had, you know, they wanted this to be all business, which is a smart move. Otherwise, you'd have children, you know, running all over the place. But now with Playfair, this is going to be a consumer event. So, um, I mean, I, I'm assuming kids will be allowed to go in and, and see the toys or... Or will they? Oh, absolutely. So Playfair, so a couple things, having learned a little bit about, I, I had some exposure to this idea of consumer and trade when um, when I was involved in, in, in managing um, the book event, the, uh, Book Expo America. Um, I think the thinking on this is, and I'll give Toy Fair a lot of credit, because it'd be easy for them to say, hey, we're 113 years old, we basically sell out every year, it's a great show, and why would we bother to, you know, to think about something that could be disruptive? Mm-hmm. But I think they look at it as brands today. Well, we started this conversation. Why have cons exploded? Brands today, whether it's Hasbro or Lego or Nickelodeon, they realize we need to have in today's sort of digital world, we need to have a relationship with end users that trusting purely that well, it's being sold in a retail, it's all good. Um, it is no longer enough. Like it, it's why I think it's why brands are, are, are doing all these activations mm-hmm. to cons is they realize these are influencers. These are people that make it happen. We want to delight them and create the buzz for our toy, film, game, whatever it is. Right. Comic. Right. Um, sure. So I, I think that the thinking here was 
that, that by adding a separate event that was not disruptive, it was its own thing, its own experience that embraced the public, embraced kids and families, that it actually gave brands a more complete way to actually participate. It's, mm-hmm. you do toy fair, as you said, to see the media, to sell into retail, to see change, to do licensing business. And if you're interested in engaging with the public, you do play fair. Mm-hmm. It, it allows you, and to describe the experience a little bit, we're being very specific that this is a, we don't want this to look like and be just another show. We want it to be entirely experiential. Mm-hmm. So everything is about playing, getting your hands on products, demoing, and walking away with items, right? Making something and keeping it. Um, so every brand we're dealing with is, is thinking about how do we engage, not put product on a table and, you know, hand out some flyers. Like that's very much not what it's intended to be. Um, so we're, that one, I must say, we're very excited about a lot of things we're doing, but I, I, I also feel like this, this evolution between like business to business and business to consumer is going to change the event landscape a lot over the next 10 years. All so right. I'm, I'm very excited to be sort of, you know, at, you know, kind of right at the right. pinnacle of that now, kind of forcing that change. I totally 100% agree with you. And based on something you were saying earlier, just about how people want to have it be more experiential. I mean, it's also very aspirational. And I think well, a lot of it is, as you said, with social media. So, I mean, I feel like, like, we feel so much closer to our idols now because we can tweet at them or we can go on Facebook, you know, and have this kind of interaction or read their Instagram. But, uh, you know, still the face-to-face is the ultimate. And and people are so aspirational about that. And the end, they want to participate as well. I mean, the whole Comic-Con model is, a, is about becoming part of the show. You know, people are Absolutely. so excited to, to be in that area. So, I, you know, it's interesting, though, that, that, you know, we are getting a little bit in the weeds here, but I think for the more to come audience, we'll appreciate that. Because, like, what you're <laughs> saying about, about business-to-business shows and business-to-consumer shows is very interesting. Because Reed Expo is a huge business-to-business um, company. I mean, they've been putting on shows for, for you know, decades about this. And... Uh, but, you know, trade shows in the, in the traditional sense. And, and New York Comic Con was the first consumer event they'd done, correct? Uh, they, had, um, they had other events that were more traditional consumer shows. Okay. Like at one time, when I first started there, they had, I think, like an auto and boat show in New England. It was more very traditional okay. um, consumer events where... I'm going to say traditional meaning the enthusiasm was a little bit lower mm-hmm. and, you know, it was more, you go, you know, people going for a few hours and leaving. Right. Um, you know, the real sort of immersion of a Comic-Con was a very, very new thing. And it was definitely, I mean, I can remember the first few times that the idea was brought up um, that there was some thought that maybe I had lost my mind. So, <laughs> um, which was, which was okay. Um, you know, but, but it was, um, ultimately the company did say, Hey, we asked you to do innovative things and give it a try. Right. And you know, obviously the rest is, is, is good history. It is history. Um, what, what do you, um, but I mean, how do you see like, like, you know, the evolution of, of traditional business to business shows and, and, you know, with consumer shows, I mean, BookCon is obviously another event that's kind of spun out of, uh, book Expo, uh, you know, which is another yep. kind of consumer event. 
Yeah, well, I was actually that was one of the last things I actually was involved with when I was when I was at Reed, and I was a big, big supporter of the idea that as you know that has as much as the book industry had evolved, that it was time you know the, the realization that publishers really need to have a direct relationship with consumers, their readers, and why can this why shouldn't this show be the place for that to happen mm-hmm. and. Um, I, to, from, at least from an outside perspective now, because I've, you know, I've, been, I've been gone for over a year, it seems to be, I think, living up to that promise. I think that's a really good example. And in any, I would argue that in any industry where there, you know, that, that the industry is consumer facing, right? That it's mm-hmm. an interesting, this is not going to, this is not relevant to like a dental show. Sure. Right. This okay. is not relevant to pharmaceutical <laughs> shows. Okay. Right? No, no one wants to go. I don't want to go to the dentist, let alone a dental convention. Okay. Well, just the idea um, that there is such a thing has really frightened me. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the, you know, the, the opportunity is you could look at any, a lot of markets and say, you know, the fashion industry, right, is, is an example uh, where there's consumer interest is I think they, they need to start thinking about the fact that if your brands, if, if the brands, the traditional exhibitors mm-hmm. are starting in their everyday life to figure out how to interact more directly with consumers via their website, via social media, well, that's creating either a a risk, meaning if you don't serve that market, they may, they're going to find another way to do it or the way I choose to look at it, which is an opportunity, which is mm-hmm. it's a whole other new group of people that they value. And if you want to put out, you know, figure out how to actually get them in front of them. Right, right. Well, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about about StreamCon, because, uh, you know, this is obviously a very, very hot uh, segment of entertainment, you know, streaming and, uh, you know, PewDiePie and, you know, all these Vine stars and all that sort of stuff, which which they showed that, that you know, teenagers had a bigger awareness of this kind of, uh, the, the you know, these performers than, than uh, traditional media stars, which, of course, the, as parents, everybody was like, what? But, but, but it's huge, isn't it? It's it's so big, and as much as when we first started really researching it and exploring it, we thought, hey, we're on to something, it's a big deal. The more I dug in, the more I was like, I can't believe it, it's even bigger than I thought. Uh, and it really is about uh, an, another generation and the way they're sort of consuming content, but it's it's about accessibility, too. These, star, these YouTube and Vine stars are... They, they are just, they, I think kids today feel like I know them, like mm-hmm. I'm a genuine fan of them, but I feel like I'm connected to them. And, you know, the idea of a show like StreamCon is, you know, I feel sort of like this is what, this is what, you know, maybe folks in, in San Diego, I, I hope, I, by no means am I suggesting this is going to be that great someday, but it, it's uncertain, right? So I feel like, you know, it, it feels like it's maybe the early 70s and we're saying, I think there's a real desire for, you know, if we collect a hundred of these stars and create great programming and a great experience that's all around the YouTube universe, I think thousands of people will show up to that, mm-hmm. but you're not a hundred percent sure, right? right. <laughs> right? So it, it's different, but, we're, you know, there's no question that the passion is there, the love for this talent is there, and, you know, this is really, this is the new entertainment. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we feel like we're, we're early stage, but we're committed to pulling it off. Right. Right. Now, when is, when is StreamCon? 
it's it's October 30 to November 1 at the at the um, uh, lower level of the Javits Center. So it's in uh, three halls downstairs. Right. Um, and uh, so it runs over Halloween weekend, but we're, we're actually doing a whole Halloween concert on Saturday night. So it should yeah. be cool. I have to admit, I am looking at the website right now, and among the guests, there was no one that I have ever heard of. But you know what? That just shows how out of touch I am. And maybe I shouldn't have heard of them. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say you're right. This is one of these things where, as the show is approaching, I'm starting to get a lot of, um, getting a lot of emails and calls from sort of industry folks that are basically like, I don't know what this thing is that you're doing, but my 13-year-old is freaking out. Can I have tickets? Right. Which to us is a great sign that we've done something right, right? right? Is right. that, A, we're making, we're making moms and dads look cool, uh, which is always good. Um, but the fact is, it's you're right. It's not for a you know a forty year old mom or dad. No. Even my even my own my oldest kid is twelve. And when we started really getting into this, I was I thought, well, she doesn't. She, Olivia doesn't know anything about this. Like I've never seen her watching any of this. I don't think this is a space she's engaged in. But I thought, well, let me ask just to see if I can get any insights. And she was completely conversant, and and she was rattling off her favorite stars. And I couldn't believe it. Wow. I could, you know, and it was, it just goes to show that, that even although I thought I was, oh, I'm, I'm on the edge of this, I was out of touch with it as well. Yep. So. And what mom and dad don't know is probably something kids are very interested in. <laughs> sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, yeah, I, I, I'd be very interested to see how this comes off. Cause as you say, this could, this is really a whole, a whole new space. Now you also, uh, partnered with, um, a more traditional kind of an event or, or at least from the comic-con side of things which was awesome con uh which yep. is uh i think is the second year show um it, thir third year it, okay. it's run three times okay uh yeah so that you know it's really interesting so when we started my field I, I really sort of thought i don't think very crowded space there's lots of shows I really liked the space, so I, I, but it really was not like we set out to say, oh, we definitely are going to build out a portfolio of comic shows. Mm -hmm. kind of felt like it was, we were a little late to the game. That really just became an opportunity that I, I, I met Ben Penrod, who, who started the show, who's a really bright, um, intelligent, and passionate young guy that um, it reminded me of sort of like a little bit of myself 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Where it was, although he was doing it on his own. So I, he's got a lot more courage than I did. Um, so it really sort of was a situation where I met him. I loved his enthusiasm. And as I looked at the event, it made me realize that, Hey, this is a phenomenal Washington. The DC Metro area is a phenomenal region. So it's a incredible place to visit. It's I think the seventh largest population in the U S and here was a show that was only three years old, that it achieved good things, but it could really benefit from some of what me and my team had learned over the years. So the opportunity just sort of presented itself, and it was like, we like this space. Why wouldn't we do this? Uh -huh. But I, I tell you that backstory because it's, to us, it's more of a walk. We think AwesomeCon could be that much more amazing, and we have a lot of ideas and ways we think we can better embrace the actual comic industry, um, potentially grow into a few other areas that allow it to become maybe kind of a unique pop culture experience and ultimately be a lot 
larger and cooler than it is today. Mm-hmm. But it's not that we're, I, I, you know, I figured the day we announced this, people must assume, okay, so now you're going to have, you know, the goal must be to have six, eight, ten of these shows. It really isn't. You know, the right situation, you know, presented itself, and and we certainly talked to other independents. Um, but it's not, you know, we're not on sort of like a portfolio strategy kind of uh, plan. It was much more one particular spot that we thought really um, could be that much better. Right, right. Well, it is an insanely crowded space now. Uh, Yeah. And once again, I think it was, you know, partly, um, you know, the, the insane success of New York Comic Con right out of the out of the gate and and you know to be fair like uh wizard world was building out their events and so on but i i mean it would, i think overall i mean nothing would have made either of those possible over the last 10 years without the ins- incredible fan interest in these and you know you hear all the time i mean as you know i follow this the convention space very closely and it's just you know sell out after sell out and you know people can't get hotel rooms i think emerald city uh, now is like the tickets went on sale and they sold out in an hour, the four days sold out. Now you can't get a hotel room. And, um, you know, this is a show that just five years ago, like it was, you know, Tuesday, it's like, Hey, let's go to Emerald city. Ah, oh, yeah. Good idea. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, yeah. And that, that is definitely, you know, I'm sure created, you know, the idea of the, you know, for folks to say, I want to be in that business. And, you know, although I have to say, I have noticed, uh, I've noticed more shows come and go as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's been more sort of introduced that haven't worked or have been maybe just a little too small of a market. Um, and that'll, that'll probably work itself out, you, you know, in terms of how many of these there are. I, you know, where, where I'm kind of approaching it is a little more from, the demand is obviously there. I think you need to make sure you stick to some markets that have either good population demographics, right? So you need enough people and you need kind of a geeky enough population that's really going to embrace this kind of show. And for me, DC was actually a really great blend of that. Right. I think the other piece of it too is, I think like Emerald City is a great example. That's such an, that's one of my, it's my favorite city to visit in the U.S. Right. Is if you're in an attractive location, I think that helps a lot too, right? Because it makes it a little more than like, if we're going to go visit a show, don't you want to go somewhere that you could say, oh, there's great museums, great restaurants, great hotels, great other things to do. Um, And I do think there'll be more pressure on the organizers over the coming years to say, how are you going to make your experience a little bit different? Right. So that it's not just, there's four or five big movie stars that are all, you know, that are available if you want to buy a photo or, or uh, autograph experience. There's a, a pretty decent dealer room. There's some programming. It's like that. There's sort of a basic formula. And I think the challenge will be, you know, how do you do that a little better? Like, how do you introduce other, you know, there are other adjacent parts of fandom that would add to the experience that would give you, you know, a more complete experience. Um, and I think the shows that do that well, I think will probably continue to flourish and, and grow. Mm-hmm. Well, there's been so much talk. Uh, I mean, in the comics industry, all the talk is about, you know, charging for autographs and, and just how you do this. I mean, it seems to me that there have been two kinds of responses to the proliferation of shows. I mean, because there's not only literally two or three Comic-Cons every weekend – 
But there's usually also a small press show that's about the indie world. I mean, you can just totally spend every weekend traveling. And some people do. Some artists especially just go from show to show. And, you know, it's like a, a flea market and they sell their art and they, they make a good living doing that, you know. And you know, for other comics professionals, it's like, that's it. Too many shows. I'm shutting down. <laughs> you know, I'm not yeah. going to go. And, um, you know, the same thing for celebrities, I, I would be, and I, Greg, I believe it was in a conversation with you that I first used the term nerd liberty, actually, because I know we were talking, um, and just for anyone who doesn't know, I was a consultant that first year for New York Comic Con, but I remember we were talking about whether to have, quote, celebrities, and I said, well, I think they should be nerd liberties, <laughs> So. Right. I, I, I do remember that. <laughs> yes. I absolutely remember that. And you're right. Ten years ago, that was much less of a focus at these events than it is today. Um, but it clearly is popular. I mean, you know, I, I will say it, it's, you know, I think that piece of it is as part of what makes this kind of more broadly appealing. Mm-hmm. And as long as fans kind of value that experience, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Hey, let's do it. Let's get, let's give them something that they want. Right. Um, but, but I, I, to me, I feel like, you know, there, there's, I think we should all be exploring, you know, what are the other things, you know, what else do, you know, what else do our fans like and you know, how else can we engage them and give them a cool experience? Right. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that there is a danger of, I mean, for for their celebrities especially, I, I'm just amazed. Like, even William Shatner. I mean, like, hasn't everybody seen him already? I mean, the guy, he does three shows a weekend. I mean, he is, like, in his 80s, and he will literally, you know, go to Detroit Saturday morning, uh, do his, take some pictures, fly out to Texas, and, and do another show on Sunday. I mean, he's tireless. But I mean, is, yeah. is there a danger of, of uh, you know, burnout for some of these nerd liberty stars? Yeah, I, I'm sure. That, yes. I mean, I, I think obviously like anything else, you know, you even think about like, I'm just thinking of the last 10 years, the properties that were unbelievably cool 10 years ago would be much less relevant now. Right. Um, and, and, and I think that definitely evolves. He is an interesting one because he does, he seems to be a bit, timeless in this space. Stan Lee is another one that, you know, he does a lot of shows and he's, they're both actually pretty lovely guests as in they give a fan a really great experience. When you pay to meet them, you get a personal uh, experience, but um, yeah, I think there's no question, you know, staying on top of, I think that's another challenge these days is there's sort of those tried and true guys that, you know, we're going to have people saying, I, I, you know, I want that opportunity. I haven't gotten us. I've never met Stan. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's like, you know, just like if you've noticed lately that a lot of these CW shows, you know, Flash, Arrow, I mean, those are, you know, Gotham, those shows are really bursting onto the scene. And right. those stars, you know, two years ago, I think I'm getting my timing right. Two years ago, some of those guests are people you wouldn't even know their name. Right. And now they're total headliners. Right. You, you right. know, that, having, a, having a Stephen Amell at a show is, is like, wow. Like, that's, you know you're going to sell an extra. That's right. You know, so I, I think that's going to keep, that, that will keep uh, evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a bit of, of, of part of it as well. Right. It's renewal. And, and, you know, it is like anything else. As you say, Shatner and William Shatner and Stan Lee are really great at this and, and at giving fans a, an experience that they feel satisfied with. And, you know, obviously some people like, like Norman Reedus, obviously he loves it, you know, and 
and yeah. Stephen Amell as well. Like some of these people are just superstar guests. It's like cartoonists. Like some of them just sit there and draw with their head down all weekend. And some of them are much more engaging and they thrive on the attention as a matter of fact. So, um, you know, it's like anything. It'll be, it's, it's, it's people adapt. I'll be very curious to see how your StreamCon guests do because I know there was a tour for some of them, like an actual concert tour for some of the best known Vine stars and they drew huge crowds and, you know, I guess a grown-up went and, you know, wrote about it for, like, Salon or something and wasn't very impressed, but uh, the little girls loved yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, defini- it's definitely a different, you know, it's it's a different market for sure, and we're, we're equally curious to see how it goes. Right, right. Well, Greg, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but you, you've already, in one year, you already have uh, these four events, and there's one we haven't talked about much, which is Axpona. Ac- yeah, so that was actually, it's, that's like a joint venture we did with uh, a, a good friend of mine um, uh, who had, he had just acquired this show. And it's, this is like a little bit of a different one. Um, and we, 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 this is one of the first things we did as a company. Axpona, Audio Expo North America is, is the official, that's what the acronym stands for, is it's a bit of a throwback. It, it, is, a, it is a fan event for audiophiles. Mm-hmm. So it is a hotel-based show where the manufacturers of insane speakers and receivers and headphones. So like I'm talking like some, in some cases, speakers that, that like literally cost $50,000. They, they set up in hotel rooms uh, inside of, of this, uh, of this venue and the fans. So these are audiophiles. These are people that are just insanely passionate about sound, right? Mm -hmm. They're insanely passionate about listening to music the right way. And um, it's a different type of event, but what we, what, why we gravitated is it's the same formula, right? Mm, I mean, sure. you think about what is a Comic-Con. A Comic-Con is a, is a experiential community event for people who absolutely share a love for something. And that's, you know, if, you're, if your love is YouTube, there's StreamCon. If your love is toys, it's Playfair. If your love is, you know, high-end audio and vinyl and things like that, that's what Axpona is really all about. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that, that one, is, it's, a, it's a different market. It's definitely an older crowd. Um, so we've kind of got the whole gamut covered here, from like little right. kids at Playfair to tweens at StreamCon to, right, you know, right. sort of normal like, folks that are our age at, at, at AwesomeCon and then, you know, a little, little further along in life at, uh, at Axpona. Right, so. right. Well, where does Left Field go? I mean, you, you've left... You have to have your first show, so in a way, you haven't even started yet. But I mean, you know, what what might we see? Well, you know, what's what's the plan for aside from putting on these shows for the first time successfully? You know, what's the what's the plan for the second year? Yeah, good, good question. So you know, because we're you know we're privately owned, and you know we're, we're, we are well funded, but you know we don't have we don't have like a, a corporate edict to to grow at all costs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we love that we found some really incredible opportunities and we have several others that we're kind of vetting and exploring right now, but we're being cautious. You know, we feel like let's do a good job running what we have, you know, being in, I've been in the new business side of things for a long time. Everything you do doesn't work. So a year from now, we'll probably have, you know, there might be some things that, that, that don't work. Um, and, and there'll be some new things that come in. So, I think what you'll hopefully see is us repeating 
the majority or all of these events with them, you know, and, and growing significantly. And then probably very strategically introducing maybe one or two more events that are markets that we feel like need an event that, that aren't being served properly. I, I, I think that would be, you know, I would view that as success. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're being, I, I mentioned to you that, you know, my team, you know, we have a lot of veterans from this space. I mean, we have some folks that are, you know, some of the original folks who started New York Comic Con, and these are what I consider truly some of the best people in this business. So we're in, we're in a unique spot that we are, we actually have all of the experience that, that some of the really large global companies have, but we're a small shop operating out of, like, a loft in, 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 in South Norwalk. Um, <laughs> so we, we kind of, you know, we can, be, we can be pretty nimble, and we can be a little bit more focused on, you know, taking it slow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that's what I'm hoping. You know, in, in a year, you know, hopefully we're repeating, and maybe we add one or two more cool ones. Right, right. Well, it's very exciting and uh, very interesting. I, as I said, I think at the top, it's like when I, I, I first heard about Left Field, I was like, oh, no. Not another five, you know, comic cons every weekend. But you know, you've done something that's a lot more, a lot more interesting than that. And um, there's definitely a future for these fan-oriented events or these experiential events. Um, you know, they've become like I always say on the beat. It's like they've become like the circus or the carnival. The con is just a place where families like to go. And, yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely, as we like to say, more to come on that well greg thank you very much for giving us this insight and um i'm sure i'll see you at one of these shows one of these days absolutely Th- thanks for thanks for uh, connecting and having me on and and thanks for actually thinking your comic-con was a good idea 10 years ago <laughs> you're in, you're in the minority well there you go <laughs> uh, never never to be forgotten so all right great yeah. uh thank you so much <laughs>